I love this series because it's about road trips. And, and, and I love road trips. I'm just an awful companion on road trips. Like, I'm terrible. Or as Charles Barkley would say, terrible. I am. And, and I'll be honest, I'll share a brief story with you. It's very humbling. And, and, and it's about a road trip my wife and I went on. Now, if you don't know my wife, I think there's a picture because she, she works at a cafe or not. Just kidding. There's not. Oh, there she is. That's my wife, and that's Minnie-Me. Yeah, that's my wife. She's beautiful. Mm. All right. But here's the thing. We were on a road trip, and we used to live in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We were going to Wichita, Kansas. And, and my wife, uh, we decided to leave about 4.30, 5 o'clock. And, and here's the, the thing about me. I'm stubborn. I, I'm stubborn. I, I learned to go on road trips with my dad where all you did was go. You gassed up the car, and you went. If you had to go to the bathroom, it was a bottle. I'm just saying. Poor sister. She had to use a bottle. No, that's just how my dad was. And, and, and if you had to eat, you better have brought snacks because you aren't stopping. And, and so here's the thing. We were on a road trip. My, picked my wife up, and she said, hey, I'm really hungry. And I said, okay. Typically, that's code for, hey, stop and get something to eat. Well, I, I was like, hey, okay, we'll stop here in a few minutes. I really want to get on the road. We're running a little late. We weren't running late, but for me... Getting to Wichita is just, it's four hours, and that's my goal. It's supposed to take four and a half. And so I make sure I don't stop. If you've ever ridden with me, you won't ever again. All right? And so I'm like, I, I put on the gas, and, and we're driving by restaurants. She's like, oh, Chick-fil-A. I said, yeah, there's, there's one a few miles down the road. I just want to stop. we got to get gas soon anyways. And so we pull literally through town, and, and it's called Bella Vista. There's like a McDonald's, a Dairy Queen. There's not a Chick-fil-A yet because they're way back in the times. Um, there's Sonic. And she's like, hey. I'm like, no, we're fine. And so we keep going. Then we hit Joplin. Joplin's an hour out, out of where we started. She's like, hey, I'm really hungry. Hey, I promise we'll pull over soon. And she's like, I haven't eaten all day. And I'm like, we're getting gas soon. I promise. About 45 minutes later, when I believe my wife is about to divorce me, I finally pull over to a gas station and said, hey, we're here. That was fun. She looked at me like, I'm going to beat you, and then I'm going to leave you. I'm going to get out of the car, and you're going on your own. But that's me with road trips. But here's the cool thing. We were on one this last weekend. Just so you know, I've, I've, I've grown up a little bit. We were on one this last weekend, and, and we were uh, headed from up at Windshape Camps where we picked up my daughter down to somewhere to get a Cabbage Patch doll. Goodness gracious, help me. But we were, uh, we were driving down, and, and she goes, I'm hungry. I'll tell you what, within 10 minutes, I was pulling over to Wendy's. Like, Here we are, honey. I learned my lesson. Yeah, I learned my lesson. I did. I was like, man, I'm not making this mistake twice. I'm good. But it was good. She was happy because I, I pulled over. I'm still proud of myself. I'm going to myself on the back. You know, I want to recap a couple things. First, uh, in this series, we took a look at Jerusalem. And Caleb did an incredible job. And, and we learned that title and talent can only take you so far in life. But the presence of God gives you eternal significance. Wow. Wow. 
And then in the second week, uh, we learned about Shechem to find out that God has a land for you and he will bless you in that land if you serve him only. And then in the third week, time out for a minute. You know, I was in Jamaica when they announced Pastor Sean as our pastor. And I want to publicly say to you, I'm so proud to serve under you. And I love you. I've known you for 20 years. And it is great to call you pastor. All right? Sorry. He hates it when I say anything public about him in front of him. But I just, I just couldn't stop. And I wasn't going to. Oh, I just, all right. So let me get back on track. Last week, Sean gave an incredible word on Mount Sinai. And it's all about our relationship with God will change when we no longer want anything from him. We just want him. We just want him. We want more of him. More Jesus. And I think that's so powerful. And it was such a timely word for what is going on in my life. And so this week, I I hope we continue on that same journey. Because this week, I hope it's just as life-changing as the last three. This week, we're talking about a place called Peniel. And it's known as the face of God. And it's really where Jacob met God face to face. And so if you will, turn with me to Genesis 32, 22 through 32. And and I'm going to read this because... I just, I, I like reading, and I'll be honest, this week's a little rough on me. Um, a week ago, a year ago today, um, I, I got to see my, my hero for the last time, uh, my grandpa. And my grandpa was a pastor, and, and he always read. Um, I just want to honor him today. He, he usually would read the, the verse right here very quickly before he got into his message. And so this is a way of just honoring my grandfather today. But here we go. Jacob wrestles with God. The same night, he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the fort of Jabuk. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out, hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. And Penuel is another name for Peniel. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine wrestling with God? Can you imagine not only wrestling with him, but wrestling with him for a long period of time? I can. 
Because I've been in there. I've been there. But he wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. I could talk about this for hours, but um, due to attention spans and Coca-Cola and coffee, you would go to sleep on me within about 30 minutes. And so I'm going to try and not do that. But I really just want to talk about two points today. Number one is this. God's blessing can't be given or taken away by man. You need to write that down. God's blessing can't be given or taken away by man. It can't. Here's the cool thing. That's a freeing statement. You know, Jacob was literally scared to death of his brother Esau because several years prior to this moment, he had tricked his father out of Esau's birthright. Now, that would be like my little brother, okay? My little brother tricking me out of my dad's boat. It ain't going to happen. That's my boat. When my dad passes away, hopefully in a very long time, that's my boat. And if my brother was to trick me out of it, uh uh-uh, it's World War III, it's on. But this is a birthright. I mean, this is an inheritance. This is a big deal. And so through means of trickery, Jacob tricks his father into this birthright that's rightfully Esau's. All right? And, and, and we also can read in Genesis 27, 43 through 45 that it tells us after tricking his brother, his mom sent him away and told Jacob, I will sin for you when your brother has cooled off. Well, it's been about 20 years, and mom hadn't sent for him. Can you imagine how mad Esau was? He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. So you can also imagine when Jacob found out that Esau was coming to find him with 400 men behind him, how he might have felt. How he might have felt. And so Jacob and his family and all his belongings sent over to the other side of the river, right? Which was right by the land of Canaan. Now, this land of Canaan was what God had promised Jacob. God had promised him. And so the land was right there. It was right by the river. And so Jacob sends all of his family over. And then he stays there for some reason. We don't know. It doesn't tell us why. He stays there and he's alone. And he was left alone there. And that's where he wrestled with a man who would oppose his crossing over to the other side and would threaten to keep Jacob from entering the land of Canaan. Now, two quick things here. This man was the angel of Jehovah. And the book of Hosea points to this. It points it out in Hosea. All right? He was an angel of Jehovah. He was the pre-incarnate son of God who appeared in human flesh. And this is certain in the light of Jacob's words. In Genesis 32, 30, it says, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. The second thing is this. The struggle was not a dream or a nightmare. It wasn't a dream or a nightmare. Never has a man awakened from such a dream with a limp, right, or a broken hip. I've had a broken leg once, broke my femur in two, awesome, did it on a horse, that's why I hate him, all right, I also grew up on a ranch, go figure, 
But that, it was an lip, and it was a struggle which God himself initiated. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. You see, Jacob was mistaking and thinking that Esau was going to keep him from the land of Canaan. Was going to be that barrier. Because in this wrestling match, it was not Esau who opposed Jacob, but it was God himself. It was God himself. You see, Esau could neither provide nor prevent the blessing of God. It wasn't Esau. He couldn't provide the blessing. He couldn't say go. He also couldn't prevent it. He couldn't prevent it. He couldn't prevent it. Man cannot prevent you from the blessing of God. Man cannot prevent you from the blessing of God. It was God who opposed him, and it was Jacob himself who used deceit in an attempt to produce God's blessing on his own. You see, there's a place called Bethel, and there, that's where Jacob was introduced to God. And he actually bargained with God. He, he said, you know what, God? I'm going to live for you, but you got to bless me. I'm going to be rich. I want to I have lots of money. I want wives. I want all this stuff. You got to bless me, and then I'll follow you. He bargained with him. And then he, he took away Esau's birthright. And then his father-in-law, he deceived him and left with all of his stuff. But that's where he was. You see, before he could enter the land of Canaan, God had to straighten him out first. God had to straighten him out. I wonder how many times we do that. Instead of being patient and allowing God to move in a situation, we want to jump in and tell God, I got this. I'm better than you. I'm good. I can do this. I don't need you, God. I don't need you. A quick story, and I'm only doing this because I feel like God's laid it on my heart to do this. Because it's embarrassing for me. Several years ago, when I was struggling with whether to jump into ministry full-time or not, I was presented with the opportunity to own several coffee shops and a dessert restaurant. And I'll be honest, I do not want to share this story. I was back there getting ready and I just shouted. I said, don't. I don't want to share this story. I don't want to share this story. And God was like, nope, you're going to. <laughs> Thanks. But I was presented with an opportunity and uh, there's a logo, I think, Frozen Tongue. I was presented with an opportunity to own a company and all I had to do was run it and, and do the marketing and all sorts of fun things. And, 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 and I'll be honest, and I have not shared this with anyone. My wife knows because my wife had to deal with the after effects of it. God was telling me no. God told me no. I don't want you involved. I don't want you involved. You're going to get hurt. 
That's not what I have for you. But I was like, no, God, I, I believe several years ago you promised me some things, and I believe this is how we're going to do it. I believe this is what you called me to do. And God said, no, Cameron. <laughs> no, Cameron. I was like, no, God, this is it. I'm doing it. I'm going to take on four coffee shops. We're going to turn this frozen tongue into a nationwide huge just awesomeness. And he's like, no. And then I pulled my dad into it. And, And my dad is a godly man. But my dad's also an entrepreneur. He's presented with an idea. Sure, I like it. And so we started on this journey. And here's the cool thing is that it exploded. It exploded. We created a branding machine. We went from two dessert stands to eight. We were running events all over. We would have Walmart, Procter & Gamble. They would call us and say, hey, can you come and do our event? For them to call a small little company like that is just, you just don't do it. Sean was there. He knew. I mean, we would come. You would come to one of our dessert stands. There would literally be like this section in line. One big party. Crazy. We were right across the street from competition And within three months, we had put them out of business. And the whole time, God was saying, what are you doing? I want you in ministry. I don't want you doing this. I was like, God, I got this. Look at this. You did this, God. You blew this up. And he's like, no, I did not. Don't you put my name on this. I was like, no, but look at all these people. We were starting shops, and we were doing all sorts of things, and we were getting written up in paper, and I mean, we had people in business journals saying, man, how are you creating this? And then, in January of the next year, the bottom fell out. We had grown way too fast. And and we had done some things operationally that just weren't right. And God said, I told you so. My partner and I had a very public falling out. I hurt my family. Or my daddy. Yeah, I call him daddy. I'm 35. I don't care what you think. I hurt my partner. And to this day, five years later, my partner's still trying to sell trailers that we had tried to start this company and, and go crazy with. All because I thought I knew better. All because 
I wanted to be rich. Because I thought that's what God's blessing was, was prosperity and money. And it came crashing down. The hardest on me was when we were driving by and they opened the next year after I bought out and got out. And I'm driving by and it would kill me every time I would drive by. And it would kill me when my little baby girl would say, Daddy, why, aren't we, why don't we have that anymore? And it was one of those lessons that you never want to, to have, but it was good because I found out that the blessing of God must be obtained from God himself. And it's done by clinging to him in helpless dependence. Clinging to him in helpless dependence. I mean, and a cling is not a, hey, it's a wrap your arms and hold tight. Like Jacob was holding on to God when he had displaced his hip. And Jacob realized this, and it brought a dramatic change to his character and conduct. And then his name was even changed to reflect the transformation. How cool is that? How cool is that? His name was changed. It went from being Jacob to Israel. And Jacob doesn't mean a great thing. It means the planter. And, and, and it means to, it is not a fun name back then. And his name was changed. My second point leads to this. God's blessing isn't prosperity. It's being transformed into the likeness of Christ. You see, God's blessing isn't how much you have or how good of a life you have. It's being transformed into the likeness of Christ. Wow. Wow. It's wanting more of Jesus. It's daily surrendering, saying, I want more. I want more. I want more. Genesis 32, 26 through 28 says, Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. You see, Jacob was tested by being encouraged to make a request to the angel, which he was in no position to refuse. You see, Jacob had requested and bargained with God, remember, previously. And now he was presented with that same opportunity. But the cool part is, is that Jacob had learned a lesson. He had learned a lesson. And, and, and Jacob had come to realize... Well, let me say this. Jacob was tested and, like I said, encouraged to make a request. And his hip has been dislocated. And all he could do was throw himself at the mercy of this man, right? 
All he could do was throw himself at the mercy. If you've ever had a broken hip or a broken leg, it's miserable. You literally have to be dependent on other people. This year, I've, I've torn my toe open and my foot open like three times because I wear stupid flip-flops. The staff makes fun of me for it because they have to do things for me. Oh, camera can't walk again. What do you know? I think they think I do it on purpose. I may, kind of. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. But for Jacob the bargainer, that was a tempting situation. He could have asked for a number of things, but unlike previous actions, Jacob asked only for a blessing. Only for a bless- blessing. Jacob had come to realize that the only important thing in life is to be blessed of God. And nothing else mattered at that point. Proverbs 10.22 says, It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. For the first time in Jacob's life, he wasn't bargaining for position. For the first time in his life, he wasn't bargaining for position. He wasn't trying to get the trophy. He wasn't trying to go around. He wasn't trying to move around something or do it on his own. He just wanted to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. He just wanted to be transformed into what God wanted him to be. Because once God is with us, victory is certain. Once God is with us, victory is certain. And since our God is a sovereign God, no one can resist his will, and I mean no one. Your boss can't resist his will. Your kids can't resist his will. You can't resist his will. Because God is sovereign. And once he says it is, it is. He doesn't change. He wants the best for you. Because he loves you. He wants to see you win. He wants to see you step out in victory. He wants to see your marriage saved. I heard someone tell me one time that, and they said this, and they said, oh, some marriages just aren't meant to be saved. Yes, they are. And they can be. Because God's sovereign. There's nothing God can't do. Your finances can be saved. You know, I told you the story of the frozen tongue. And when I finally realized that I had to step back and let God take over, God has slowly been working on me. Slowly been working. Because if you want to have a penile moment, we need to allow our limp to become our strut. We don't need to allow our limp to keep us down. We need to allow our limp to become our strut, to give us confidence. We need to allow our limp and allow our brokenness to become our victory. You see, God breaks us so he can free us. God doesn't break you to hold you down. 
He breaks you so he can free you of things. God broke me a frozen tongue because he needed to free me to step into the ministry. God breaks us to free us. But a lot of times we take that brokenness and we just want to keep it and we want to let it be a limp. We don't want to let it give us that victory or that strut. But if we'll allow our limp to become our strut, God, you will see God face to face. And you'll find victory. Come on now. That's powerful. Don't let your brokenness break you. Let your brokenness turn into victory. We need to allow those moments where God has to break us to free us, to actually happen. And trust the fact that God is God and knows what he's doing. This doesn't mean we should be inactive or passive. Jacob was hardly that in the struggle with God. We need our activity to be rightly directed and motivated. And when you do that, you succeed. Zechariah 4.6 says this, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Are you going to bargain with God or are you going to allow him to, alone to bless you? Are you going to keep bargaining or are you going to allow him to work in your life? Are you going to keep saying, well, God, if you do this, I'll do this? Or are you just going to say, God, here I am, use me. Here I am, use me. Stop bargaining with God and just say, I want more. I want more, Jesus. I want more of you. Because when we do that, that's when we see God's blessing. I'll be honest, when I first learned of the place that I was preaching on, I was like, really? Really? But then God literally brought me to my knees. And he's kept me there for almost two months. And ever since, and, and I feel like, gosh, I don't want to be emotional. But he's kept me on my knees. And then we had beach camp. And we saw 76, 80 some students come to Jesus like 67 of them baptized. And God said, hey, that's, that's, that's what I called you for. And then God said, you're going to Jamaica on a mission trip. And I'm a diva. Like, the staff will tell you. Ian will tell you. He works with me the most. He'll tell you, I'm a diva. Me in Jamaica, are you kidding me? And I had a pretty, I didn't have a bad attitude. I had a bad attitude. <laughs> but God brought me to my knees in Jamaica. He just kept me there because remember I told you I was stubborn. 
I didn't stop to eat. <laughs> I'm stubborn. But he kept me there. And then one I saw in Jamaica broke me. And I realized I'm like J Jacob. For far too long, I wanted to bargain with God. But over the last two months, he's shown me more than I could ever imagine. He's shown me the true blessing of God comes when I will daily allow him to transform me into the likeness of Christ. And that point, I'm free. I'm free. Uh, this last week, on Monday, I've struggled with this message. And I literally just had to get down on my knees. And I walked into my office, and I just got down on my face. And I just said, Jesus, I want more. I want more. I want more of you. That's all I want. And I did. I, I seriously just got down and I just said, Jesus, I want more. I want more. I don't want the other stuff. I just want more. And at that point, I've never felt more free in my life. So my question to you today is, do you need Jesus? Do you need more of Jesus? Because the answer is, no matter who you are or where you're from, you need more of Jesus. But do you want more? Do you really want more? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask that question. There's a couple people in the room. There's the one that says, you know what, I have no clue what this guy's talking about. But I like that Jesus thing. Guess what? It's very simple to say yes to Jesus. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to remove my sin. And that sin is that disobedience, that junk that we're all born with because of Adam and Eve. But all you got to do is say, Jesus, remove my sin. Come into my life. I want to live for you forever. I want to live for you forever. I want more of you. That's what you got to do. And you can do that today in just a minute. Then there's the Christian in the room. And for far too long, you believe that God's blessing is prosperity. That God's blessing is what you have. That God's blessing is an easier life. Guess what? All you need is more Jesus. All you need is more Jesus. That's all you need. Dear Heavenly Father, right now I thank you for today. Father God, I thank you for who you are and how awesome you are. Jesus, I pray that if there's someone in this room today that, that doesn't know you, I pray that right now they would, they would just say a, a, a prayer to you that goes something like this, that says, Jesus, I pray that you would come into my life, remove the sin, because I want to live for you forever. I thank you for the cross and all that you've done. I'm yours.
And, and right now, Father, I pray that you would be with those who need to just get on their knees and go home and get on their face and cry out and say, Jesus, I want more. I want more. Jesus, I love you and I thank you. I thank you for my brokenness. I thank you for the fact that you have taken me and broke me and held me there. Father, I pray that you would be with the people of this church and those of this county. I pray that we would just want you more and that's all we would want. Father, we love you and we thank you in your awesome name. Amen.